Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. We've got a really fantastic program for you guys this week. We have Andrew Warner uh, on the program with us. He is the founder of Mixergy, where he invites proven entrepreneurs to teach about how they built their startup. Uh, he was one of the first uh, entrepreneurs to jump into the internet scene, creating a multi-million dollar venture. He's been featured by uh, Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, Forbes Business Insider. He's spoken at conferences like Entrepalooza and uh, many, many others. Uh, he has currently an angel investor in two early chat messaging platforms, uh, ManyChat and Assist, um, which led to him building a new program called Bot Academy. Welcome to the program, Andrew. Oh, so good to be on here. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about bots today, which I know is just that word just feels like such an emotional word. Is it uh, weird, by the way, that I'm asking you to turn the video on for this conversation? I know you, <laughs> your podcast is audio only. Andrew did put me in a little bit of the hot seat uh, for our program today. So I said, we'll, I want to see his video. First of all, I, I've heard Brent's voice a million times. I want to see what he looks like. And number two, if I ask answer a question in a way that's not helpful to his audience, I want to see his eyes just go wide and go, Andrew, what the hell? Back. <laughs> see, see, see me start tearing up, right? I can usually hide that. So why don't you help our listeners uh, just get oriented here for a second. What is sure. a chatbot? You know, I get, the best way to say it is to talk about email marketing because I remember I got into email marketing soon out of college. I had over 20 million email, uh, unique email addresses on my email list. We did over $30 million in sales. And the reason we were able to do that is we'd get open rates of like over 50%, easy, over 50% open rates. That means I'd send out an email, people would actually open it and read it all the way through. Today, I look at some of my emails. We put a lot of work into it. We have great writers. We have great software to send the whole thing out and to manage it and to adjust. 
getting 20% open rate is pretty average for the industry. We're beating beating it to over 30% at times, but but overall, it's not exciting. It's not growing. It's not where it used to be. I'm, I'm telling you, I used to get over 80% open rates on some of the emails back in the day. So the question then is, why? And the answer comes back to, how do we communicate with the people we love? My wife just started a new job. I didn't send her an email saying congratulations. I didn't sit and type out a letter for her and put it in the post office uh, system. I sent her an iMessage. When I talk to uh, someone on our team who manages our community, I use Facebook Messenger to chat with him. Developers use Slack. We use internally as a team, Ping by Basecamp. We're all using chat to communicate with the people we love. We're using chat to communicate with the people we work with. Why is it then that when it's time to talk to our clients and potential customers, we only use email? And so that's where chatbots come in. Chatbots allow you to reach people in the apps that they like to use to communicate. Same way that you used to reach them in email, now you get to use reach them in chat apps like Facebook Messenger. Which you mentioned a few apps, Slack, for example, mm-hmm. uh, I obviously know that we can contact people through Facebook and we can message them, but some of those platforms are kind of private. It's not as easy to go out and just build potential lists of customers like email. Like I can't have somebody come to my website. I guess they could opt into a Slack group that I host or something like that, but it's a little bit different. Than- uh, you can actually get them to, to uh, add your Slack bot. And many businesses do that. And I was surprised that businesses even often will allow individual uh, team members to add bots to their Slack chat. And they do, and there are lots of those. But I don't necessarily say that because you could add a bot to Slack that that's where you should be sending your messages. I'm saying we should think about where are our audiences and create bots for those places. So you guys, you saw this for, um, I assume when you're talking about the, the email list, the open rates, you're talking about Mixergy. So yep. you guys saw your open rates decline. I think every business that's yep. doing heavy email has experienced that. I think of the book, um, Who Moved My Cheese? Seems right. like the cheese is moving. Uh, and you guys have seen this moving towards these instant messaging uh, platforms. So how, how are you already leveraging chatbots for, uh, let's say, Mixergy? What's, give me like a tangible so application. We actually do not give up on email. We don't give up on podcasting. We don't give up on what works. We're just saying, let's add another way to reach people. And chat is one way to do it. And so what we do is we've been experimenting with different ways for people to subscribe. They press one button and they get, a, they get our messages via chat. Same stuff or similar stuff that you put out over email, but now you're delivering it to somebody's, like if I'm on Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a message from Mixergy that says, hey, Andrew just did a new interview, you know, let us know what you think. That's So I actually, I've, I've over the years had so many people say to me, email me whenever I get, a, whenever you publish a new podcast episode. And I always said, that's just weird. Nobody needs an email. The reason they, they, that you usually would want an email is because there's no way to subscribe to web content. Uh, if you want to know when I'm, when I publish my next interview on Mixergy, just subscribe to the podcast. But people kept asking. So I finally said to, uh, to my team, let's create it. Let's do a weekly roundup of the emails that the, the, of the interviews that we publish and send it out. And you know what? The open rates were abysmal. The click rates were out of tens of thousands of people. I think we had, less than a dozen people on average click, which just goes to reinforce people don't need 
email to repeat what podcasting software does. They don't need chat to repeat what email does. We need to think of each one of these different communication uh, uh, channels as different. And so what would work in chat is different from what would work in email. The same mentality, the same philosophy comes in. You want to be useful. You want to be entertaining. You want to be actually something that people want in their lives and you want to be systematic about it, but it shouldn't be the same stuff. Can you give me an example of what you would broadcast out to uh, through chat? I mean, if we're not going to say, hey, our podcast is, is live. There are a couple of things that we that we do and I think would work really well in chat. When I go to a conference, I want people who are in the area to come to my to my hotel room. I rent a suite. I do scotch night at the place. And anyone who knows my work, I want to invite them over. Now, I can't do that via email well because I know at the conference, if I have a change of suite number, often I can't even get my suite number until the day I check in. All that stuff means if I get that data or have to change it, I have to email them. No one's going to open up the email. So what I do instead, and what I did this uh, uh, this last time, for example, when I was in San Diego, is said, I'm going to be in San Diego. If you are there, hit this link. Just hit the link to tell me that you want to have scotch with me. Anyone who hit the link got a picture of a scotch bottle I think I had, and then some text that said, great, as soon as I, here's the day that I'm going to do it. As soon as I know when and a little and have more details, I'll ping you here on Facebook Messenger. Now, it turns out that I not only couldn't get my suite opened up like the morning of, I had to wait till I think noon to get my room number. So the day before, what I did was I went on and said, look, I still don't have the room number. It's going to be at the Hyatt in San Diego. I'll ping you again the next day. And then the next day I pinged them. And sure enough, the room was packed, packed with people because there's no other way to reach them. Email is not the right way to do it. But that's one use for it. The other thing that's good with chat is teaching. I feel like you're a little uncomfortable with what I'm saying here, Brent. Don't hold back on me. <laughs> if, if, if this does not make sense, call no, me no, out. No, no, I, I, I love the examples, Andrew. So I, I like just processing. Yeah, a good way to get people to drink scotch, right? <laughs> why, why I'm not on this list to uh, hang out with you. Anyways, mm. we, can, we can talk about that later. But <laughs> um, so, so you're about to go into maybe another example of teaching? I think a more common example is, so we teach um, agency owners how to build these chatbots for their clients. So you can imagine that one of our agency owner's client sells shoes, sneakers. Now, the question is, do people want to be pinged about sneaker deals? No, they don't need a Facebook message every time there are new sneaker deals available. In fact, Facebook doesn't like that. Nobody likes it. And Facebook could shut you down if you're doing nothing but spammy sales like that. So here's a better approach. Imagine these sneakers are really good for people who are trying to run. So this, the agency owner needs to say, okay, who are we targeting with our first bot? Why don't we go after new runners because they're the ones who still haven't like created a long affection and affinity for a pair of shoes and they'd be willing to try ours. Great. So we're going to create a chat bot that takes someone who's never run before and get them to run their first 5K race. Great. Now we have an offer and we could put it up on our website when somebody comes to look at our shoes and say, we can help you run your first 5K. Just press this button and our bot will get you there. User presses the button and the first day the bot says, don't worry. And I'd actually have the, the bot send out a picture of a couch that goes to the, the user via Facebook Messenger and then a text underneath that says, can I teach you how to run your first 5K using this chat bot? Person presses the button that says yes. And you start teaching them. And the first tip might be, 
what you want to do is stretch because if you stretch, then you'll be able to run longer. And so you give that little tip. And if you say stretch, show a GIF of somebody stretching so we could see what it's like. So as a, as an agency owner, I'm working with this client, uh, whereas traditional marketing, I would be creating an email that says, Hey, I want to help you run your first 5k. I'm sending that email out to my entire list. This obviously is, uh, I mean, a much more conditional environment. So you're kind of creating like all the things that they could possibly choose along this path. Obviously, if I said no or not interested or something else, you have different conditional logic that says this is what the answer is going to be. I mean, kind of walk me through that workflow as an agency. What am I now building that's different than the traditional marketing that I've been building? I think what you could do is have the chatbot start off by saying, by giving conditions like, hey, before I start training, you tell me, have you ever run before or not? And then have a different sequence of messages that goes out daily if someone has never run before versus if they have and they're trying to run faster. But I think that that's overcomplicating it for a first step. If you've never built a chatbot before, your chatbot should just do one thing. Take people from point A to point B. And point A could be never run before. They just sit on the couch all day to point B being run a 5K. It doesn't have to do way more than that. It doesn't have to have incredible intelligence. In fact, I'd prefer if anyone listening to us said, I'm going to keep it simple. All I'm going to do is have my chatbot do one thing and one thing only. Platforms like Facebook, uh, you've brought that up a couple of times, Messenger and things like that. Uh, what kind of limitations or constraints? You also mentioned spam earlier. How does Facebook decide who is you know, using this to spam? What are some of those things that happen? How fast can you get banned? How does that affect things? Great questions. So um, Facebook makes it very clear. If someone has not engaged with your, with your chatbot within 24 hours, do not offer to sell them anything. If you do, they consider it spam. So we've seen people do this before, right? They have an email list. They've ignored their email list for years. They decide they want to make some money and they send out an email to the whole list. All those people say, I've never heard from you. Who are you? Or I only hear from you, from you when you want me to buy something. I don't like you. And in that situation, there's nothing you could do. It's email. You unsubscribe or you accept it. With Facebook, they're saying that's actually considered a terms of service violation. We do not want bots to do that. We want the user to have had some engagement within 24 hours before you come in and hit them over the head with a sales message. So there are clear rules for that. But the point that you're bringing up is a good one. There's definite platform risk, right? You do everything on Facebook and then Facebook changes the terms of service and they decide they don't want chatbots. I don't think that's possible. I think that they're going to need chatbots going forward and we can talk about why. But let's, let's assume that this happens. Let's assume Facebook all goes away tomorrow. What do we do to protect ourselves? Here's one thing that our members are doing. One of the first messages, and I actually created a chatbot for you and your audience and so they could see exactly how this will work. One of the first messages they'll get is me saying, can I send you this thing? I forget what it is that I'll send them via email. And as soon as I ask that question, there's a bubble with their email address pre-populated. They don't have to type in their email address. They just have to tap that with their finger. And then the email address comes from them via chat to my chatbot. And my chatbot automatically sends it to our email marketing software. And now I could reach them via email and chat. It does not have to be an either or. It should be both. And the bot can do that on a platform like Facebook because they already have their email address. You're not right. getting access to that. They're, you're just suggesting, hey, 
you could use your this information that we already have about you and and plug that into your your stuff. Right. You so it helps a lot, right? Because I now know their real name, not the fake name, because Facebook makes sure that people enter their real names. I have their real email address, and I know it is because Facebook changes it, like forces you to use a real email address. I had uh, an email address that they didn't like. They forced me to put my main business email address. So we know that the data is solid, and we know that it's clear. And Facebook will only give it to us if the user gives permission. So unless that user taps the button that with their email address on it, I can't get it. Unless the user presses the button on my landing page, and again, I'll give it to your audience, uh, a landing page where they could try one of my chatbots, but unless they press that button, I cannot subscribe. And here's another thing. At any time, if they want to cancel, all they have to do is swipe and they delete my bot. If they don't like me and I'm doing something that they're not happy with, the power is in the user's hands. They could swipe and delete or they could swipe and report me. So unlike email where... So you're, you're a podcaster. You know how many email uh, messages we get all the time from people who we never met before. We never gave them permission. They just want to pitch us on whatever it is that they're doing and they want to be on, on your podcast, right? Do you get those? A few times a day. Yeah, you know, I got an, a really clever one, not from someone trying to pitch me on, on being on, on Mixergy, uh, my podcast, but I don't even know what he sold, but I love the way that he did it. He said, my boss, uh, I think her name was Betty, asked me to follow up with you. When are you available for a call? I scrolled down and I saw a message from Betty, the boss, to him. And then, un- and then the message was, hey, I was just on Mixergy last night. We really should work with them because they're a great site. And I know what he did. <laughs> marketers. He basically took standard email software and he typed out what looks like a message from her to him. And above it, he typed a message from, from him to me. And it's all just automated to go out to millions of people like me. And I didn't have to ask permission to get it. He could just send it to me. And the reason our inboxes are full is anyone can send their stuff yeah. to you. And they're, whole, they're people whose whole job is to say, how do I outsmart Andrew's uh, BS detector? How do I get through to him so he gets on a call with my salespeople? You can't do that in Messenger. You could have, and I've had people who join Bot Academy say, I have 100,000 people on my Facebook page who are all following me. Can I send them messages via my chat bot? No, you can't. I have people that have big Facebook groups. Facebook groups are really powerful. People say, I have 50,000 people in my Facebook group. Can I send them? No, you can't. They have to all, each, every one of them, press the button to say yes to get the message. You can't even get your own chat bots messages unless you personally press the button that says yes. That's incredible power in the user's hands. When we uh, opened the show, you were kind of talking about the golden era of email with 50 to 80% open rates on large uh, lists, which I think is, that's probably not happening for very many people anymore. And now it's down to that 15, 20% is is good, right? What what is good in the chatbot space? What kind of engagement... Uh, are people getting? I mean, I think that I, I assume it's higher than email, but is what's the data on that? If I opt into bots, it depends your- on the day, and it depends on the uh, um, sorry, it depends on the day within the sequence, and depends on the message. So it's not at all unusual to get over eighty percent open rates, over ninety even. It's not at all unusual to get over fifty percent click rates. But we see that different messages will obviously have different engagements. In general, open rates tend to be high. Click rates will vary more based on your your messaging. So here's the thing that if anyone's out there creating a bot, here's what I would suggest if they want to get their open rates high. First of all, don't send your whole message at once. 
have an image and then have a little bit of text and understand that people will not see the text within context. So expect that little bit of text that you send to be the alert that shows up at the top of their phone to try to get their attention. So it might be something like, I have something really important to say to you today, or today we're going to run our first mile tap for more, right? So you want, you want that one message to be the thing that draws them in to read the rest of it. And that's what'll get your open rates higher. Hmm. Wow. So this is, I mean, this could be for, for a lot of marketers who are seeing diminishing returns on email. I mean, this could be kind of their next frontier in terms of where they should be investing in. And everything they know about email, they could bring here. Everything they know about landing page conversion, they should bring here. And just understand that in some ways, it's easier. It's like bringing a gun to a knife fight. You have people who are creating chatbots who don't know the first thing about digital marketing. They're just doing it because they're into the geeky art of chatbots. Now imagine somebody who says, you know what? I know how to create landing pages that get people to convert. I'll do that. Boom, they get more people to subscribe to their chatbots. Imagine someone who says, I thought about copywriting a little bit. I know how to get people to actually read my messages. They have a huge advantage in this space. It's limited because eventually all the marketers will come in here, but it's a huge advantage and it's it's a good advantage right now. What are some other platforms? Uh, we mentioned Facebook, Slack. Uh, I assume Facebook is the 80% in terms of where the eyeballs are, but what are some other platforms that chatbots are available and... Um, there's not a huge uh, barrier to entry. I'll give you a bunch and then tell you the two that I'm excited about right now. Um, Facebook Messenger by far the best because 1.3 billion people use it every single month. If people happen not to have Facebook Messenger on their phones, maybe they don't even have a smartphone, the next time they're at their desktop and they fire up Facebook.com, my chatbot will bubble up as a chat message in the lower right of their screen. So Facebook is terrific. Um, what we're also seeing is Skype has chatbots, for example, and they keep promoting it. But you and I are recording this using Zoom because Skype has had issues as a platform. And so as much as you could create a chatbot on Skype, I don't recommend it. I think another place is Slack. But Slack, I think you need to think about how do you create a utility that works beyond the one person who signs up, but one that will then go virally within the business. And there, uh, there are many chatbots that do that. Um, Here's another one. Instead of going through the whole laundry list of all of them, I'll give you one third, one last one. And this is one that I really like. I like a chatbot on a website. There's data that shows that if people can chat with the website, even if they don't use the chat, they're more likely to buy the site because it adds trust. And so many businesses are adding chat bubbles to their websites. You know, those things, lower right, intercom, drift, et cetera, the live person, The problem with all of those is most businesses can't keep people 24 hours a day live on a website to answer questions as people come in. And so most of their users will go hit that chat button and say, hey, I've got a question. And the chat automatically says, tell me your email address and I'll follow up with the answer when we're around. It just kind of goes, it switches to like a contact form and then it's like, oh, I see what they did. Right. And it's just kind of a weird thing. And so... I think chatbots are a natural fit there. There's a company called Drift, D-R-I-F-T.com, that creates software that'll let you create a chatbot that you can put on your website. Um, we've been experimenting with it. It's really exciting. And I'll tell you one place where we do it and it's super uh, effective. I do webinars for Bot Academy where I teach people how to create a chatbot from start to finish. Inevitably, there'll be someone who comes in three minutes after I start who says, will this be recorded? 
I can't sit down and type to every one of them. Yes, this will be recorded. So what I tried one time is said, look, before we start, there will be many people who come in and five minutes late, half an hour late, two minutes late and say, will this be recorded? Could one of you please say, yes, Andrew will follow up. Just tell them. I had hundreds of people on the webinar. Not a single people, person did me a solid <laughs> and did that. They didn't think it was their place. So I created a chatbot using Drift. Now, if you use the word recorded, the chatbot automatically knows that you did that and comes back and says, I think you're asking about a recording. Don't worry. Andrew will have it recorded and send it to you. You're, in, you're, you're handled. It's like, oh, man. Now one question is taken care of. And we realize, you know what? What other questions can we have the chatbot respond to in real time for people? And we had a list yesterday. I had a call with uh, Rebecca who put this on, on our site. And she ha- she went through all the things that the chatbot didn't have an answer to. And she started coming up with answers immediately for it. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. As an agency owner, uh, how do I, I mean, how do I have this conversation with my client? Do I just kind of lead with, uh, you guys might have noticed our email uh, engagement is down. We want to try some new things with you, uh, especially for that agency who has no experience in chatbots. I mean, what's the fastest path for me uh, to start generating revenue as an agency with this? I think the best way to do it is to do what Kelly Garrett did. She's one of the early students of Bot Academy. She said, look, I can do all the digital marketing um, work that most people come to agencies looking for, web development, email, the rest of it. Says, but a lot of people do it. I need something that separates me. And she came to Bot Academy. She learned how to create a chatbot. And then she offered that as a service. I will build your chatbot. Now, there aren't a lot of businesses that you can go to to, to get a chatbot created. That helped her get clients. And then it also, since she was one of the few people in her, her area that could do it, she's been getting speaking engagements with that. And so I think the easy win is to say, I'm adding this to the list of things that I do. The next step is to say, hey, you know what? There are a lot of people who do email marketing well. Let me see if I could go after them and say, I like your email marketing. Can we bring this to chat the way that, and then you give a list of people who have been using chatbots well. Um, I think going to existing clients and saying, I have another way for you to get more sales. We've been doing great with email. We're not going to get rid of it. But look, everything that's working well with email, I could bring to chat. We have this demo video, which we show people, um, uh, which our students show potential clients to just say here in 60 seconds, here's exactly how the chat, uh, how chatbots work. Let me see. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to give this to you. Let me see. It is... Exactly 41 seconds that shows basically what we're showing is a landing page on the left, my phone on the right. The user sees the offer on the left and all they have to do is press the button and we could see the user with their mouse pressing the button. Then the phone on the right gets an alert that says, here's the thing I promised you. The user taps that and then the thing that was promised comes in via chat, which is a PDF guide. That's super simple. You show it to an existing client and you say, we could do this. Do you want to try it? It's really powerful. Where do you think chatbots are in terms of a technology life cycle? Is this something that is kind of in that, I mean, uh, you know, is it, is it a fad? Is it early stage? Is it maturing a, a little bit? Um, yeah, where, where no, is I'm this I'm reading at? the book Netflixed. Okay. It's all about the founding and, and growth of Netflix. And what I didn't understand is that when Netflix started, there were 50 titles on DVD. 50. That's it. There were competing DVD formats. So you could buy a DVD and not have it work on the DVD player that you had. And into this 
small space of weirdo technology walks in these two entrepreneurs and they say, we're going to create something. And they did. And at first they could basically invite everyone who was enthusiast with, who was a DVD enthusiast into their house. They actually could reach them using these obscure message boards. And then it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And you cannot five, 10 years into their growth, come in and say, I'm going to create a DVD company via mail. And the reason you can't, we know that you can't is because Blockbuster tried it. Others had tried it and they couldn't take them on because they, they was too far. It was, they, they were too far ahead. Same thing with chat. If it seems a little bit weird, you just have to ask yourself, is the world going to communicate more with chat in the future or are they going to stick with email? If you believe in chat, then the fact that it's a little weird and not a lot of people are doing it should be actually something that encourages you. If you think the world is going to stay with email, then you should stay away from this and it's not a good fit. But what we see is in our own experience, every time I do a webinar, I say, when you're talking to, and I'll ask you and the people who are, who are listening to us, if you're in love, if you're in business with someone, do you say, I love you? Or do you say, how's the project going via email or text? And we're finding more and more people doing it via text. If you look at App Annie's reports, they do an annual report of app usage. You can see, not just in our experience, across the board, for everyone except I think 50 and older, they're using face, uh, Facebook Messenger and other chat apps much more than email, meaning they're staying in it more than they are in email. And people who are 50 and over, it's basically neck and neck with email having a slight advantage. So we can see that the data is pointing to, to chat. The question is, do we want to keep our business sending people messages via email? Do we want to keep our clients in email only? Or do we want to say, let's add chat? What are some limits uh, with this uh, this technology, this, this platform? And I'm sure it's platform specific, but what are some of those things that I probably shouldn't do minus trying to sell somebody on Facebook within 24 hours of, of uh, initial contact? I was at a conference here in uh, San Francisco speaking at an event and someone's, and I said, keep your messages short. And someone said, but I need to send out long messages. So I said, are you in a relationship? And she said, yes, I am. I said, would you trust me enough to show me your phone to see the, the chat messages you have with, the, with the, the guy you're in love with? And she said, she looked at me, she laughed. And then she said, yes, I do trust you enough to do it. And I looked at it. And I showed her, look at this. Your messages are one sentence. His is another sentence back. You're sending a gift to each other using, I guess, one of the gift keyboards. And then look at what he's sending you back in emoji. You get lots of back and forth. You might want to talk to your audience with big paragraphs and lots of text, but recognize that this feels out of place in this environment and recognize the people you really like to talk to and chat don't do that. They do a lot of back and forth. And so I'll say the same thing to anyone listening to us. Use images because they're native to this platform. Pictures, GIFs. I think long videos don't do very well because people aren't going to chat looking for long long videos, but make it visual. The next thing is keep the keep it short. Small bits of text. And then make it interactive. And interactive should not be the user has to type back. The user has to pick from a menu of five different buttons. Make it simple. A little bit of text one or two buttons, a little bit of more text, one or two buttons. The nice thing about that is you also get data. You get to see, I just had this thought that took a little bit of space to communicate to the user. I put a third of it in the first message and, they, and a lot of people press the button. The next third of it in the next message 
And very few people hit the button to get the last. There's something I'm not doing here. People are engaging, but they're not engaging all the way. I should go back in and change my messaging. I should change the way I write this. So it gives you data back. What is next for chatbots? One of the companies that I invested in is called Assist. They create chatbots for companies like Sephora. And they work really closely with uh, Facebook and Google and Amazon's Alexa and so on. And I had dinner with the founder and he showed me this virtual reality thing. How do do I use it? He says, okay, Andrew, take my phone. I go, great. He says, press on the lipstick that you would want. So I press on the lipstick that I would want in the Sephora chatbot. And then the camera comes up and I get to see my face with the lipstick on. I slide to the right and I get to see the next lipstick. I slide again to the right and I get to see the next lipstick all on my face. I get to change my, I don't know what this is called, but the stuff that goes on your eyes, eyeliner, I guess it's called. I get to change the other makeup on my, and then it says, do you want to send this to your friend? I go, wow, this is pretty cool. Can I show people about that? It goes, no, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's public because a few few weeks ago, Facebook announced that this was happening and showed assist work. This is the future. Now, are most people ready for this now? No. I don't think we're saying, I need to pick the right makeup. Let me fire up Facebook Messenger. But I think it's going to start happening. I could see that Sephora will use Facebook Messenger to communicate with existing people. And then, by the way, blow their minds and say, look at how you can put your your makeup on right here and see what it looks like. And we'll send it to you. So stuff like that is the future. It's really coming. It's it's not just coming. I've seen the future in these people's offices. But I don't think we should think that way. We should think what's available today. Today, our end users, our clients, potential customers are using chat more and more. We do them a disservice by saying email is the only way they should be communicating with them. We should be saying email is great. Keep it if it's working for you. Let's add this new thing. It doesn't take much work. It could work well together. Well, Andrew, I'm definitely, uh, I, I wasn't thinking about uh, experimenting with chatbots this morning, but you've convinced me. Uh, I'm definitely going to dip my toe into the water here and see what we can do for uh, you gurus. This has been a fascinating uh, conversation and I've taken a lot of notes, uh, a lot of takeaways here and, and definitely excited to get started. Are you uh, ready for our quick lightning round? I am. I just took a picture of you. I'm going to put it on my website. <laughs> the fact that I actually get to see what your face looks like. I wonder how many people know your work and just know you through audio. Okay, uh, Sam, hit me with the lightning. Yeah, sure. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Um, you know what? I know this is not lightning answer, but I got to give it to you. I worked for a Wall Street firm when I was in college and I just was dying to know the founder, Ace Greenberg. His name was Ace because he was such a great card player. He took people for money in college and then he built up this reputation, became a hero on Wall Street. I said to him, I'm an intern at your place. Can I come and meet you in person? And he said, you know what? Yes, absolutely. So I go into his office and I'll sum it up for you. But basically what he says was, Andrew, if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. And I realized, oh, no wonder this guy who's filthy rich keeps coming in. You could see he loves what he is doing. He's fully entrenched in this. And so I try to just keep asking myself, what am I loving to do right now? And I think I throw my people for a loop when I say to them, what do you love to do? And you don't have to do the stuff that you don't love. We'll find other people who could do it. But I know that since we're a remote team, if you don't love what you do, 
you're never going to work a day in your life and you're always going to feel guilty and feel like you're procrastinating. But it's really the core issue is that we're giving you stuff that you don't love what to do, that you do. So I try to do it for myself. I try to do it for the team. I'll go more lightning, I promise. <laughs> Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, my personal habit is to incorporate it into what I do. Actually, you know what? Let me give you another one that's really been helpful for me. I do stuff with other people watching me like a babysitter. So I stink at email, but I ask my assistant, will you do screen share with me and we'll do email together? Ostensibly, so if there's an issue that I that I need her help on, she could be there and take it over. But what I realize is having her there with me means I'm going to get my email done within half hour to an hour. It's tremendously helpful to have somebody else do the work with you. And I used to think that was a weakness, but I've interviewed enough entrepreneurs who say, just know yourself and have the guts to say, this is the way that I work best and do it. And then I've also noticed that many developers do peer coding. I was going to say paired, paired development. Yeah, that's, right? uh, that's a thing. So. so we go through the inbox together and I do multiple things like that. Can you share an internet resource or a tool that you use on a regular basis that you think our listeners would find valuable? Um, yes, my Apple Watch is incredibly powerful. I think people don't appreciate the value of it. I'll give you one little tool that I have on it. There's an app called, um, what is it even called? I, I just press record. I just did it right now. I hit the button. I talk right into it. It automatically records. I hit stop. And then I have it transcribed on my on my phone. I could also look at it on my or listen to it on my watch. Incredibly helpful. There are lots of different uh, apps on the watch that people don't appreciate because the first version of the watch sucked. It's called Just Press Record. Is that what it is? Just press, just press Record. And anyone who's not into the Apple Watch um, could still add it to their phones. And you could add um, a little button to your, what is it called? The little widget section. That You hit the button. It just records your thought and has it transcribed. Yeah, that's great. I, I just, uh, when I go on my bike ride, sometimes I have like things that I want to capture. And whenever mm -hmm. I want to record on my uh, headset, I'll be like, hey, Siri, record this note or whatever. And you have to unlock, there, Siri goes, you have to unlock the phone, which on a ride, you're like, okay, I can't go do that, but that's cool. That's, all, that's on the, the watch. What I do for that is I do something similar and I say, hey, Siri, in one hour, remind me. And then I go through the whole message. And then I try to add as many keywords as possible because okay. Siri doesn't understand. I think, hey, Siri is also under underestimated. Yeah, I, I use that a lot. I, I work on... Uh, I use Pomodoro's and I use her to time me for everything. But um, what book would you recommend and why? Uh, the book that changed my life was uh, Andrew Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Anyone who feels like they're not having the kinds of relationships that they want, especially if we're determined entrepreneurial type of people, reading that book helped me see that other people also have an ego. I thought the reason that I was getting places in life and other people were not is because they didn't have an ego. It turns out even if they're not entrepreneurial and they don't want to like make as much money or have as much success as possible or live the ultimate lifestyle, they still have an ego. And Dale Carnegie's book said, here's how their ego works. And be honest with yourself, you have one too. Now let's talk about how to deal in a world where people have this. And it's, it helped me a lot. It helped me so much. I went and knocked on the door of Dale Carnegie and Associates. I said, I want to work for you for free. And uh, I got a job and I worked there and I got to see these people use the Dale Carnegie tips every day and realize, okay, this really works. Very cool. Andrew, how can our audience find out more about you? And is there anything that you have that they can check out? 
you know what? I created a chatbot where people can actually experience everything we've said, largely because every time I describe a chatbot and how it should work, people think they get it, but then they don't. I said, you know, they should actually see it. And so if they go to botacademy.com slash digital agency show, so botacademy.com slash digital agency show, they're going to see a picture of your smiling face here with me on Zoom, um, unless you get so embarrassed that you asked me not to put it up there. And then if they press the button, they'll see exactly what an end user will see if they're creating chatbots. But I don't care if they see that. Here's what I want them to do. If they have an agency, they should think hardly anyone ha is doing this right now. How do we create chatbots for our clients? How do we get more chatbots? Uh, how do we get more clients because we could create chatbots where most people don't even understand them? See this as the opening of a, of growth for your business. Very cool. Well, we will link out to that uh, resource in our show notes as well as several of the other tools uh, and resources that you mentioned, the books, the all that good stuff. We'll link out to that uh, in our show notes. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us uh, on today's program. Brent, thanks for having me on here. All right, guys, that is our program for this week of the Digital Agency Show. Tune in each and every week for more great content on how to grow your digital agency. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.